Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Lost Hope Radio. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of ProServe PR Talk Radio. This is your host, Nick Augustine. This show is produced by ProServe PR, serving up law, finance, and professional service firm public relations campaigns. The production of uh, your service, your ProServe PR, is funded by sponsor donations and advertising. We work hard to bring you new and pragmatic content on Thursday, Tuesday and Thursday afternoons at 3 o'clock Central. Yes, our name is changed, and so is our format. We are going to be bringing you the legal industry largely on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We'll be delving into the world of finance. Today's guest is Michael Healthland. He's been a Chicago attorney since 1997 with a focus on trying to change the way people and attorneys and legal get illegal information. In 2001, he launched FindGreatLawyers.com, a statewide network of like-minded attorneys who speak in plain English and only pursue legitimate cases and fight for their clients. Mike recognized that the true unique facts of the case should determine who the right lawyer is for a case. His network makes a goal that that goal a reality, and hundreds of lawyers he partners with statewide have achieved unmatched success for their clients. We want to wish a happy 10-year anniversary to FindGreatLawyers.com. We didn't want to welcome up our show to callers this afternoon. Our show is neutral and objective. Your counterpoints are always welcome. Telephone number to dial in with a question or comment is 917-889-9732. Option one for the caller queue. That telephone number again is 917-889-9732. By way of short disclaimer, this is a general information program, and the advice shared on this show does not constitute professional advice. Communication with attorneys and finance professionals on this show does not give rise to professional relationships. ProServe PR Talk Radio does not necessarily endorse all the opinions expressed by guests, and finally, all of our callers do remain confidential. We want to give you a couple uh, upcoming events quickly before we move forward. First, Chicago Lawyer Magazine has their Off the Pages series. We have an event called Taking Care of Business on September 20th, 2011. The three panels of interest there are, number one, how to grow your book of business in a challenging economy. Number two, building a relationship with your in-house lawyers. And number three, motivating and keeping young talent. Now, the panelists presenting at this event are top attorneys and executives with valuable insight, and the event will be held from 7.30 to 11 a.m. at the University Club here in Chicago. For early bird registration and more information, please contact Ms. Olivia Clark at Law Bulletin for more information. She can be reached at area code 312-644-4033. You can also email Olivia at O-C-L-A-R-K-E at lbpc.com. MCLE credit is pending for this event and sponsored opportunities remain available. Now, there's going to be a second Off the Pages series presentation uh, coming up on October 18, 2011. Uh, that one is titled, Taking Diversity Seriously. The following panels will be presented. Number one, uh, being a woman in this legal industry, how do you navigate the challenging waters? And number two, a detailed look at local diversity statistics. In addition, Chicago Lawyer presents keynote speaker Aaron Reeves of NextGens. Reeves is a Chicago Lawyer columnist and diversity expert who will present, quote, a status report on diversity. Again, this event will take place from 
7.30 to 11 a.m. at the University Club in Chicago. Again, contact Olivia Clark at Law Bulletin at 312-644-4033. Next, if you happen to be in DuPage County, Illinois on September 22, 2011, you should attend the Collaborative Law Institute of Illinois West Suburban Practice Group's annual open house. Come to Carlucci's Restaurant in Lombard at the intersection of I-355 and Butterfield Road from 5 to 7 and meet the attorneys, financial, mental health professionals who all team up to provide collaborative divorce solutions. Guests will include professionals who might want to become collaborative fellows as well as family judges from the DuPage Family Law Division and affiliate professionals who are utilized in the collaborative process. For more information and your invitation, please email Ms. Connie Walsh at Connie, C-O-N-N-I-E, at yourfinancialdivorce.com. Again, that's Connie at yourfinancialdivorce.com. Now, the subject matter for today's program, ProServe PR Talk Radio is happy to bring Michael Halfland to you once a month to talk about articles and commentary published in the Chicago Real Law Blog. Again, that's the Chicago Real Law Blog, printed in the Chicago Tribune's Chicago Now publication. Here are some of the titles we're going to discuss today. <clears throat> Not getting a job because you are fat... You're out of luck. Two, the greatest legal victory ever. Three, does credit card debt survive a spouse's death? Four, a lawyer with a heart. Five, it's almost over for Blago. Maybe. Six, too black to be number one. Seven, guest blog and justice for all. Eight, I'm surprised he's not gay. Nine, why no attorney will take your case. And ten, sometimes I feel like a broken record. Now, that's <laughs> so very true. We welcome and say hello to our favorite guest, Michael Halfland. Michael, how are you doing today? Good. Are you sure you don't have to go to a commercial break after all those announcements? No, no, it's not time yet. We've got about intro. ten minutes. Good. I know, there's so many you got a lot going on, man. I know. Well, they're not all my events, but there are a lot of events and a lot of my people. I like to, you know, put it out there. So, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot going on, lots going on in a day. So let's go right to your blog and some of the things that you've been talking about. And I see this one uh, you posted today uh, was uh, up there before I had a chance to grab it. It was um, Blago to Jail and Rick Perry to be president. I really am concerned about that. Michael, what are your thoughts about all this? Well, you know... Most people hate politics, and I think uh, this is just another example of why people do. And what I did is I was talking about how Rob Blagojevich essentially went to jail because political donors were getting jobs, getting uh, you know state work, getting appointments, stuff like that. And the reason he went to jail is because it was implied or inferred or really was, hey, pay to play. And the point I was making is that he's got to be, you know, just as pissed as anyone can be right now because he's going to jail probably for 10 years. Meanwhile, there was an article today in the Tribune talking about how uh, presidential candidate Perry uh, had 150 individuals and couples who in the last decade have donated $37 million to him, half of them who have re- received and returned contracts, licenses, appointments you know, under his watch. And the real only difference between the two is the fact that Blagojevich was just too stupid to get caught on tape and kind of be a little brazen about it, whereas right. you know, presumably Rick Perry is you know, just doing the old wink and nod, and I'm not saying I'm giving you this for that, but we all know what's going to happen. Um, one of his biggest donors got a no-bid contract to bring in nuclear and store nuclear waste, uh, and it ends up being near a, you know, within 14 feet of a drinking well, 
state scientists say, hey, you shouldn't approve that. And, of course, the Perry-appointed uh, watchdogs end up ignoring the science and saying, go right ahead. Now that guy's making hundreds of millions of dollars, and he's a big supporter uh, for president. Yikes. Very scary. My little brother's an environmental geologist. I wonder if he's heard about this one yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's it, it just disgusting. And, you know, again, everyone, maybe not everyone, but I think most people know this stuff goes on. Uh, but, it, you know, it's getting kind of ridiculous. And, you know, you can say one thing for Illinois, which is, you know, the cesspool of politics, at least we're doing something about some of the people that, you know, get involved in this stuff. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how this isn't a bigger deal and how people don't get more upset and make a you know, bigger fuss about this because it just looks so wrong. But the reason that people aren't making more fuss about it is because everyone's focused on Michelle Bachman right now. Yeah, you know, but I mean, why wouldn't people in Texas make, make a fuss about this before he even thought about running for president? Maybe and, I, he's so hated in Texas, from what I hear. Oh, really? Yeah, I haven't heard that. Yeah, I've heard that a lot of Texans really don't like him, and he's sort of um, the laughing joke and local joke in Texas, and they probably just ignore him. Huh. Well, we'll have to see where this is going with him for president. And I, you got to imagine if he gets uh, the nomination, you know, this is certainly going to be brought up as well as his, his talk about seceding from the union. You know, but it it just it's amazing to me. And even if he's not, hey, even if it, you know, deep down he's this great guy and he's not doing it, you know, and he thinks that these are the best people for these jobs. I mean, it just it smells so bad. It drives me nuts that this stuff is allowed and. <laughs> People get away with it, you know. And again, you got to look at it from Rob Lagojevich's standpoint. He's going to jail, and Rick Perry has a great chance to be the next president. Yeah. Meanwhile, they've really done nothing different. And and, um, and Richard Mel's still a happy alderman, and um, he's the one who got Lagojevich elected in the first place. You know. Absolutely. No. I, hey, and it's not just guys like Rick Perry and Blagojevich. I mean, Mayor Daley, George Bush appointed a ton of his buddies as ambassadors, and a couple. I think it wasn't. A heck of a job, Brownie guy, one of his college buddies or business buddies, you know, it's just ridiculous. And they're all donors. And, you know, people wonder why this country is so screwed up. I mean, qualifications don't have much to do with anything in terms of getting government jobs. <clears throat> oh, no. I mean, the system's so broken. I think that's one thing over and over. I'm, I'm trying to, like, stay away from Facebook because, I, you know, I have people on both sides of the coin and everyone's just ready to kill each other. And the one thing that I can say is everyone can agree on is that our country is becoming so divided that we can't no, come up with a solution. We can't figure out what's going on because of so much political rhetoric. And, um, you know, I, you know, you probably used to be worse in days in the past, um, you know, game campaigns in the, you know, around the turn of the 19th uh, to the 1900s. Things were really bad. But, I mean, this is just a, it's it's there's so much crap going on. Who knows what to it's easy to see how some of this stuff can get buried under the rug. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But we'll, you know, we'll see if this gets brought up. I hope it does. Cause it's just, to me, it's just disgusting, you know, and it's so brazen and, you know, it shows you what type of leader he'd be if he was president. And, yeah. And we've already went through this once with George Bush and, you know, this isn't a Democrat or Republican thing. I mean, it's just a, a human being thing. This stuff just should not happen. Should not, would not, but it could. And um, you know, it's interesting. I look, you know what? A lot of people I've talked to have thought really that Ron Paul is, you know, as nuts as the guy is, um, 
he's got some interesting ideas and some things that a lot of people seem to um, kind of latch on to him. I was surprised after the GOP debates how many people said, I like what Ron Paul has to say. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, we'll see if it happens. Interesting. Moving on to... It looks uh, like a, two, a three-person race right now. It, it's going to be... It's I, We have a long time to go. That's all I know. we got a long time. But um, sure. back 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 to our blogs here. Um, your next one here is not getting a job because you're too fat and you're out of luck. What's this all about? Well, yeah, I got a call from a really nice guy. And long story short is he had quit a, jo- or he had quit a job and applied to a job in Chicago with a great company. He really wanted that job. He actually turned down another job offered, you know, after he went through that interview and had the job offer pending the passing of a physical, a pay raise, a company he really respected, um, good benefits, had a start date, went in for a pre-employment physical, said it went fine, could do everything that they asked him to do, no health problems in the past, never been injured, never been unable to do any work that's part of a job uh, for anything, you know, physical and of course, the physical comes back, and the examiner said that he was too obese and possibly a risk in the workplace, so they pulled the job offer. Now he's out of a job because he quit one, doesn't have that other job that he turned down, uh, and you know here he is. And so he called me looking to see if he could sue that company for discrimination, and unfortunately, while he definitely was discriminated against, there's nothing you can do because it's not illegal to discriminate against someone who's overweight. <clears throat> and the bottom line in any of these discrimination lawsuits is if it's not illegal, it's just not a case. Yeah, not a suspect class. No protection. Absolutely. Unfortunate. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So you know, he was a good guy. He had a great attitude. I, you know, I'm pretty sure he'll land on his feet. But you know, suing's not an option. So, and I, he was actually pretty cool because most people don't want to accept that unfair, or unjust, or immoral isn't a case. And I often have people say to me, "How can this be so? This doesn't sound right. It's not fair." And you know, all those things may be true, but unless it's for a protected reason, like your age, if you're over 40, race, your religion, uh, sexual orientation in Illinois, gender, pregnancy, work injury, stuff like that, you know, you, you've got no option. And you still have to prove that that's the reason you didn't get a job or got fired. Um, so it's a really difficult thing to do. But this guy, out of luck. <sighs> You know, I, I'm just. I wonder if there's ever you know, a group that he could appeal to or petition to to stir up some um, some noise and get us. But I mean, there's really, yeah. I mean, there's nothing you can really do. It's it's a kind of a sad thing, but it is what it is, right? It, it, unfortunately, it is, and you know, I don't see this as a law that's ever going to get changed. Um, it's similar to you could get fired or not get a jo- job because you smoke cigarettes or are wearing funny-looking clothing or have too many tattoos or, you know, root for the Packers or <laughs> any reason that seems, you know, unfair or beyond your control. Um, and the same thing, you could not get a job because, you know, your boss wants to hire his girlfriend or his cousin or whoever. Um, it's got to be an illegal situation, and if it's not, you know, that's that. And certainly in today's polit- political climate, you don't expect the government to increase protections for people and give them more options to sue. If anything, it'll, it'll become less. Right, right. Real quick, can you run down the uh, the Illinois is an at-will employment state and the calls you probably get and how many times you have to explain that? You know, you probably get about five to seven a day over here out of the 80 calls or so we get a day. Um, and it's really a question of why were you fired and not why did they tell you you were fired, but why do you believe you were fired? And if it's a situation where they didn't like you or it's a personality 
you know, difference, or the rule book says you can miss two days and you've missed only one. Anything other than the law being broken, unless you're in a union, you're at their will. In other words, they can fire you at any time for any reason. You know, I could go out right now and fire fire my secretary because I don't like the shirt that she's wearing or because she only showed up five minutes early today instead of ten minutes early or because I'm just in a bad mood or whatever the reason may be. Uh, I can't fire her because she's pregnant. I can't fire her because she's 50 or because she's black or Christian or Muslim or whatever she may be, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff. We're going to pause quickly, and then we're going to ask you about the greatest legal victory ever after we hear from some of our commercial sponsors. Number one, we've got the Law Office of Nancy K. Ducharme. Do your marketing materials and slogans infringe on another's intellectual property rights? Well, you should find out, and Chicago land attorney Nancy K. Ducharme can help you. She brings big, large law firm experience and reputation to her intellectual property law firm, as she serves national corporate clients in the areas of trademark, copyright, internet law, and advertising law. We need the right legal services to advance your creativity but guard against trademark infringement. Call the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme at 708-444-7900. That number again is 708-444-7900. You can also visit her online at www nkdlaw.com for more information. Second, from Peak Marketing and Sales Incorporated, if you haven't met Mary Orlean yet, then you should listen up because she can help you make more money. Mary is well-known all over Chicagoland for her executive coaching and unique abilities in helping people connect the dots and remove barriers to business goals. Mary is the president of Peak Marketing and Sales Incorporated, and these renowned coaching and consulting services are available to businesses, associations, organizations, and teams to help bring about measurable results. Call Mary today at 630-768-1422. Again, that's 630-768-1422. Or visit her online at peakmsi.com. Again, that's Peak Marketing and Sales at peakmsi.com. Third, from ProServe PR. ProServe PR serves up nationwide finance professional and law services to public relations customers. ProServe PR is a team of professional writers and publicists for hire. Many people trust us to write their marketing material, blog articles, and press releases we then use to promote and manage our clients' webinars, events, and media coverage. We really are a full-service agency, and you'd be surprised how many ways we can help you. Give us a call today at 312-505-2604 and see how we can put you on the map and position you to get more clients. Telephone number again, 312-505-2604. And if you have guest suggestion for ProServe PR Talk Radio Broadcast, please drop us a line and let us know. You can visit us on our website or Facebook page by searching for ProServe PR. Simply uh, look in Google and you should be able to find us there. Now, getting back to our program, we're talking with Michael Helfand from Chicago Now, uh, Chicago's Real Law Blogs, and we're talking about this next story, the greatest legal victory ever. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I'm a big fan of The Daily Show, and I was watching one night last week, and they had, I thought it was a hilarious uh, episode where there was a couple in Florida that had a house and received a note from the Bank of America saying that they were going to foreclose upon them, which was really interesting because not only did the couple not have a mortgage with Bank of America, not only did they not miss any payments, they actually owned their house outright as they paid cash for it. Uh, and so it basically it's an illegal collection effort by Bank of America. It was certainly a simple but stupid mistake by the bank, um, but the couple was pissed and basically went to lawyers out of principle just because you know you hear so much about banks going after you know debtors and for people who are behind on their mortgage that 
you know, they didn't want them to get away with their mistakes and cut them any slack. Uh, they went to about 25 firms and got turned down by every single one of them. And the reason they got turned down, and it's kind of a good lesson for anyone looking for a lawyer, is if you don't have damages, lawyers aren't going to take your case. And this couple wasn't looking to pay a lawyer by the hour. They were just looking to you know, file a consumer fraud case and have someone get paid if they won. Um, so finally they found this kid that had only been out of law school for a few months. It was like six months, lo- right? <laughs> yeah, I think it was about six months. And lo and behold, you know, he took the case. He just started his own firm. He probably had no other cases going on. He sued Bank of America, and he won. Uh, the damages were only $3,000, which was mostly just his legal fees. Uh, what was interesting is, for whatever reason, Bank of America ignored the judge's order and didn't pay the settlement. So this kid, pretty savvy, went to the judge and got an order. It was listed in the video uh, for them to foreclose, but basically it was a possession order. So he was able to take a truck to Bank of America with a sheriff and essentially take everything that wasn't bolted down. So he he walks out of there with staplers and desks (laughs) and chairs and tables and you know, paper and basically everything you can get that your hands on, which really isn't something you'd expect to happen to make of America. And so to me, it's just the greatest legal victory ever because you never see the little guy going against the big fat bank and, and winning like that. And even if it's a moral victory, it was certainly a funny victory. And of course, the Daily Show told the story about a thousand times funnier than I ever could. It was just, it's so such a hilarious thing because um, I, and I've heard other people say, oh, when I was right out of law school, I did this and this. And, you know, thinking that further in their career, they never would have in a million years tried to pull some of the stuff that they did because people would think they're nuts. But, you know, the right. law if the law was on the guy's side, you know, he got it done and got national exposure. You know, as Bank of America's stock went down, like, what, 20% last week, one of the days, like, you know, it's the, the, just because it's Bank of America and B of A and at all doesn't mean that young one young lawyer can go get a possession order and <laughs> seize the bank. I think it's hilarious. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, and uh, I'm sure this didn't cause their stock to go down 20 percent, but it certainly didn't help their PR campaign and doesn't inspire confidence in them that they know what they're doing because it's right. a pretty pathetic thing to do. And you know, and if they'd done this on a like, let's say they'd accidentally sent out a thousand of those notes. Well, now all of a sudden they've got a major class action on their hand because you know, a thousand times three thousand is a pretty big number. Yeah, and uh, I think that more people are going to be, um, you know, going. I don't know, think that everyone's going to go out into the street with pitchforks, but um, you know, I, I go back and forth, and sometimes I'm back in DuPage County, and uh, I talk to some people who are like their eyes are like turning red and smoke's coming out of their ears. And, you know, meanwhile, I talked to another guy in the U.K. last week who said that things were busy. I thought he was going to miss this call we were supposed to be at. And he said, oh, no, it's business as usual. I said, your streets are burning. How do you mean it's business as usual? Oh, well, that's during the daytime. The bad things are at night. Um, And it just kind of blows my mind. Um, You know, people are mad as, you know, to Edward R. Murrow, to quote him, people are mad as hell and they're not going to take it anymore. And I think we're seeing more and more of this. Now, it wouldn't surprise me if Bank of America, because I have no other ideas, oh, we're going to change our name, you know, like, like a, I pull a Comcast where they change their name every six months or a year to, so people get the hate that they have for them out of their system because you can't associate your bad feelings with that name anymore. Like, people are that stupid, but <laughs> so it's, so, it's so funny because we just changed our name. <laughs> 
So I'm laughing well, about We all it. had bad feelings towards you, so that's why. I know. They're like, the hell with law publicist communications, those bastards. <laughs> so, you know, now we're pro-serve PR and everyone will love us, right? Yeah. A- absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Moving on, this is another interesting credit card debt. Those of us who still um, worry about our credit card ratings and things, these are important things, but credit card debt, does it survive a spouse's debt? This is an interesting one. Yeah, you know, I got a call from a woman whose mo- uh, mom had passed away and her dad was kind of freaking out because the mom had a credit card uh, in her name only and she had run up pretty decent-sized bills, about $15,000. And the credit card company sent a notice that he has to pay this. And if he doesn't, they could take his house and they could do this and they could do that and the other. Uh, but the reality is, is that's just not true. Uh, Any time anyone dies... You know, the debt is now the responsibility of the estate. And in this case, uh, there was really no estate to be set for this woman because her and her husband owned a house together and it automatically passed to him. And they owned, uh, they had a, a joint bank account together. And because it was joint, it automatically goes to him. And essentially, her only assets were her clothes and some a little bit of jewelry and stuff like that. So there was no need for the family to open up a probate estate to transfer all that stuff. Uh, and basically, the credit card company's out of luck. Um, you know, had she had a separate bank account, they could have gotten that. Had she had, you know, a pension, you know, they possibly could have gotten that. But the reality is there was nothing to get. And as much as the credit card company threatened them, and that's pretty standard practice for a lot of these companies, is to, you know, we've heard of them saying, oh, you're going to go to jail if you don't pay, or we're going to take everything you have, and we'll sue you for punitive damages. It's all BS. You know, it's just like any other death case, you open up a probate estate, and we see, you know, does this state have anything or not? And in this case, her state only had debts. And fortunately for them, they're not responsible for those debts, no matter what the credit card company tries to tell you otherwise. Mm-hmm. Are there, what are some other good stories of some uh, evil collectors out there? I know that some people, one of my bankruptcy attorney clients always tells me that the people are being told to cash in your 401k, pay your, pay your credit card off, and... Um, they say, oh, I'm going to declare bankruptcy. Well, you can't touch the 401k in a bankruptcy. Do you, do you get a lot of these uh, calls type of thing? Yeah, we hear that a lot. I mean, the the number one thing, and it really pisses me off, is these a lot of collection agencies will say, we're going to put out a warrant for your arrest. And they're very, <laughs> you know, and that's against the law, number one. Number two, you can't arrest someone for not paying a debt. But it's against the law to threaten it. And these, they always pick people that you know they know aren't going to know any better. And they'll never say it on a recording. They'll never put it in in writing. Uh, and it's just disgusting. And it's a blatant violation of the Fair Debt Collection Act. You know, the one that's been going on, it's actually not by collection agencies, but it's a big scam, is there's a lot of uh, companies out there that will buy records of people that, like, bought meds from Canada, for example. So it's people that, you know, ordered HGH or steroids or pot or whatever it may be, Viagra, illegally. And they've basically bought the mailing lists from companies that went out of business. And so what they'll do is they'll call you up and say, you know, hey, Nick Augustine, you bought, you know, 10 pills of Viagra from ABC Company in Canada, right? Yes, well, I'm Federal Marshal Health and (laughs) that was illegal, and you're going to get arrested, and I've got agents coming over to your house right now, and you're going to have to pay a $5,000 fine in court. And people start freaking out. Can't we work something out? Well, if you pay the $5,000, you know, 
by Western Union to us today, we could probably call off the police and close the file because we have so many cases to deal with. And people freak out, and they do it. And, you know, we've had people say, well, I told them I wanted to think about it, and they call me for their advice, and then they click in. That's them on the other line. They said the cops are five minutes away. What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> oh, my God. But people what? do it because, you know, they know that they did break the law, but the reality is that's just not how the law works in our country. And if you think something doesn't make sense, it doesn't seem like how the United States should operate. It's probably because it doesn't make sense, and it's not how the United States uh, should operate. Wow. So that's probably the worst story that I've heard. But you know, most collection agencies that we've come across will say anything to collect a penny, and it's pathetic. Yeah, it's a really it's a it's it's tough out there, and I, I've heard I know um, a couple a couple of friends of mine who well this is years back but worked at collection firms and they seem to be able to say whatever do whatever and actually I had someone talk to me about um, they had the the same name as their father and the guy tells me you know my dad called because this collection firm was going after it was a check that bounced or something and um, that they the went and they talked to the father and the father just keeps on you know just sitting there quiet not knowing what's going on and this collection firm tells him all this detail and the guy lets him keep talking blah 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 and they basically did a skip trace on this guy actually the check had all the information on there um you know what about the the fair credit the fair what is it the fdcpa i haven't looked at any of that in years but fair Debt collection act yeah what can they what can they do what can't they do because they seem to be able to they're just running people over it seems like well and i'm certainly no fair debt collection expert but in general uh you can't be calling people's friends you can't be calling their your coworkers, your boss you can't show up in person you can't be calling at odd hours. If you're asked to stop calling, you have to stop calling. You know, if they dispute the debt in writing to them, you, you have to. If we do, like, if you're trying to collect for me and I dispute the debt in writing, you know, it has to be reported that way in the, the Credit Act. If I tell you, look, do not make any other collection attempts against me, you know, you they have to sue or go away. Um, but the biggest one we see is certainly, aside from the lies, is them, you know, calling, you know, your boss calling your you know, your mother, your sister, your friends, and basically harassing you to the point where it's like, man, like I am so embarrassed that I'm getting calls saying that I'm a deadbeat and I'm going <laughs> to pay this thing to make these people go away. You know, and we've had people lose jobs because, hey, I mean, how would you, your boss feel if you had 10 calls a day, you know, and you're not even supposed to get any calls at work and they're asking you and asking for you and threatening you and threatening your boss and you know, a lot of guys just don't want to deal with it, and I guess you can't really blame them too much. Uh, so, those are the, probably the biggest problems we see. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you again. It's my my theory of the people with the pitchforks and those who, uh, even a lot of the um, the liberals I know say, I really like the Second Amendment still, just in case this whole country goes to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's like I'm just picturing like. You know, people on the north side, you know, I, I'm, I'm not far from, like, the Southport-Brown line. I'm just picturing, like, this stuff could go on. I mean, you see movies, and um, I don't know. I think there's just – people are at their limit, and we're going to see what's going to happen. But that's why I'm glad that we have shows like this and blogs like yours to talk about some of this stuff because most people don't know. And unless you unless you are, like, a, a serial debtor, uh, you wouldn't know these things. And unless you're someone in the criminal system, you wouldn't know about that either. There are These are good, hard 
hardworking people who have fallen on rough times are a victim of Bank of America or God knows what. They're a victim of the bad society and the mortgage collapse and everything else. And they're just and it's like they're victims of one thing. So all the vultures are trying to get them and pick their bones at the same time. I think it's really sick. It is. It definitely is. Yeah. We're going to pause for another quick set of commercial breaks and then get back to more blogs with Michael Halfland. Again, this is the Chicago's Real Law Blog Hour. And our fourth commercial sponsor is our buddy Jim Thompson, not the former governor, but a former lawyer and marketing coach. And his program is called Get Clients Now. He can help you take crucial steps towards increasing your firm's revenues through their various time-honored techniques that help you attract new business and encourage referrals. Please visit LawyersMarketingResource.com. That's their website with all sorts of testimonials and thoughts of others on uh, their products and services. You can also get in touch with Jim Thompson by emailing him at J-E-T, that's J-E-T at MidwestConsultants.net. That's plural, MidwestConsultants.net. You can also call Jim directly at 708-785-4022. That telephone number again is 708-785-4022. Next, from credit damage expert George Finder. Your credit score is a valuable asset. Now, credit damage expert George Finder is an expert who can put a dollar amount on the damage to your credit score. By learning to incorporate credit damage questions into your intake process at a law firm, you and your staff will learn how to spot credit damage events worthy of retaining George Finder's credit damage analysis services. He's in California, but he's available nationwide. Credit damage expert George Finder can consult on damage to credit reputation. Please visit his website with an informational video it's creditdamageexpert.com. Again, creditdamageexpert.com to learn about George Finder and his expert services. Next, our final commercial sponsor break comes from the software and technology attorneys at Marcus Stephen Harris, LLC. Software licensing agreements, cloud computing, and software selection all fall on the desks of the attorneys at Marcus Stephen Harris, LLC. This international software technology and intellectual property law firm is based in Chicago and leads the way in software and technology law. Before entering private practice, Mar- Principal Marcus Harris worked as senior corporate counsel at SSA Global Technologies, a global software vendor. Marcus also worked at the legal and contracts department of SAP Technologies, drafting and negotiating hundreds of technology-related agreements with SAP's Fortune 500 customer base. Today, Marcus leads a talented team who are ready to help you navigate legal and business issues in software, technology, and intellectual property. Call Marcus Stephen Harris today at 312-263-0570. Their website is mshtechlaw.com. Telephone number again is 312-263-0570. We want to remind our listeners to share our broadcast links in their social networks. Many people do find our shows on their friends' Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn pages. We thank you all for your support in sharing our programming. Now back to our guest, Michael Halfland. We have our monthly show from the Chicago Real Chicago's Real Law blog. Uh, Michael Hap writes about a lot of things that he sees in his uh, business and practice. And um, the next article we're going to talk about is a lawyer with a heart. Michael, well, I try to write mostly serious in my blog, semi-seriously, but I got forwarded a nice joke. Um, oh, my favorite thing about this posting is I've got a nice hairy back man with a heart shaved into it is my picture for the post. So that's, that's probably great. worth looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> but the long story of it is just a joke of a, a lawyer who comes across a poor family on the roadside eating grass, uh, and he's driving his limousine, and he stops, and they say they have no money for food. That's why they're eating grass. And he tells them, come to my house, and I'll feed you. And he says, I have 
a wife and two children, bring them along, and turns to another poor man and says, you can come with us also. He says, but I have a wife and six children. He says, bring them all as well. They got into the limousine, and they're driving along, and they say, sir, you're so kind. Thank you for taking us all with you. He says, glad to do it. He says, you'll love my place. The grass is almost a foot high. (laughs) I thought it was funny. Uh, well, everyone wants to be grass-fed. When we go to Whole Foods, we have to look for the things that are grass-fed and everything else, and so that's a good thing to be grass-fed. There you go. There you go. <laughs> the lawyer with the there you go. I love it. <laughs> yes. So it just I don't know. People do have a bad, you know, image of lawyers, and that certainly doesn't change that, of course. Yeah. Well, it's my my only. We're not I, that bad. No, no. I just I I love I love all my my lawyer friends. Yeah, you know, I'm on the. Yeah, I'm on the the board of alumni, the board of directors of alumni at John Marshall, so I have to be careful and be really nice. My only complaint about some of my colleagues is we're not good at doing business. We need to get better at thinking like businessmen. Yes, it is a learned profession and wonderful vocation, but it's not a vacation. You know, we're here to make a profit and make money and just own up to it. And so many people who are um, going out and finding new ways to lower their costs find uh you know lower the barriers of entry to service are, are getting good are you know doing well i have a, a column i'm writing right now i have to tweak it because i think people are going to come after me with pitchforks but um i really think that you know 10 years ago the billable hourly rates were so much lower than they were and i think that they skyrocketed up with the housing bubble and they haven't come back down um, I think that so people are so fed up. That's why they're going to legal Zoom companies like um, this new uh, Google. Um, oh, what is it? Lawyer. It's Rocket Lawyer. I think is a document sharing thing where they're saying people could go on and uh, for twenty bucks a pop get a get a document reviewed. I mean, people are consumers are pissed and they're not paying the fees anymore. Um, Michael, what are your yeah. thoughts on this? You know, I, I I know some really good divorce lawyers. For example, there's one guy in particular who's amazing. Uh, but he charges four ninety five an hour, and he's honest in his billing. Like he never over, you know, because it's completely, you know, minute per minute billing versus some guys that will, you know, spend two minutes with you and charge you for fifteen. Yeah. But, I mean, just the thought of four ninety five an hour and how quickly you can go through it. And he's an incredible guy, and if you can afford him, he's a great choice. But very few people can afford that. On the flip side, a lot of people don't realize that some of these twenty buck document preparation services aren't all that you think they're going to be and we've seen a lot of people get burned with those so i agree there there is a need uh, to come down and you know even two hundred dollars an hour is an incredible amount of money if you're collecting it you know but there's hardly any lawyer in that price range especially in stuff like family law Uh, and i've definitely noticed in the last year there's more clients that just can't afford the lawyer fees well, they, they can't. try to work something out, or people, people try to get creative. But the reality is, if you're going to go through a family law case and there's any disputes involved, and you don't have at least twenty five hundred dollars, you're going to have a hard time finding someone experienced and reputable to take your case on. Just a fact. It's a fact, and the other thing, the other fact that I know, because I come out of family law, is that the house isn't there to sell anymore, and there's not an escrow account from which attorneys to get a fee petition paid. So. 
you know, it's the reality. Now we're dealing with people's actual incomes. This is what these people actually earn a year. This is what they have after they pay their bills. This is what they have. Maybe they have a credit card to put it on. Maybe they can borrow it from mom or grandma. But long and short of it, we're dealing with people's actual income. And I think the people who are getting a lot of the clients are these guys who are like, you know, zero to five years out of law school. And they're saying, you know what, I'm just going to charge, you know, I'll charge 150 an hour. And they're gonna get the clients. They're gonna they're gonna get the work, and they're gonna bust their butts to do a good job. Um, you know, and sometimes if your if your situation isn't super complex, I don't know. I think that you don't need someone necessarily with ten years in. Um, so I think that some of the younger generation they also are quick with social media and everything else, and they're able to put themselves out there. I think they're giving a lot of the older guys a run for their money. Yeah, but I think you know, on the flip side, I get a lot of calls from people. And, I, and I'm all for what you're saying, by the way, but I get a lot of calls from people where, hey, I hired this person, and they weren't that experienced, but it was the only person I could afford. Yeah. And, you know, my you know, spouse's you know, attorney knows the judge so well, and my attorney's not getting a word in edgewise, and that guy's kind of running roughshod over him. And, you know, if you don't have someone, you may have the will, you know, but that doesn't mean you have the ability to do what needs to be done. On the other hand, if Look, if it's no kids and there's, you know, just debt and really no uh, assets to speak of, well, then certainly, you know, there's really nothing to screw up. Yeah, right. You know, well, we definitely see in situations with kids that, hey, one person's got a real veteran and the other person's either hiring a general practice lawyer or a young kid, and, you know, they're just getting creamed. And unfortunately, when they come to me, it's often too late because it's usually after a judge has entered a final order and those aren't. You know, you can't vacate that for two years unless there's a drastic change in circumstances. Well, and the other thing that I'll say, and I'll agree with you, that if there's kids involved in custody, yeah, you should get a seasoned professional. But even then, I, I take a lot. I take a hard look at some of the collaborative law uh, divorce lawyers. I think that that's a really great thing too. But you know, so anyways, let's move on to some more of these blogs. Let's talk about our favorite, our favorite guy and my former neighbor here. Mr. Um, Mr. Blago here again. Um, your your post here is it's almost over for Blago. Maybe what do you mean by that? Well, you know, I I saw something on the internet where uh, they had set a sentencing date for him for October sixth, and I broke my New Year's promise, which was to not read any any comments on articles that I read, uh, just because it's normally just you know anonymous blabbers. But this one was a good question. It was I don't understand. Someone said I don't understand how he's Got gets to wait October 6th. Why isn't he in jail? I thought sentencing happens right after you get convicted. and That's typical for what you see for a state charge you know, in a felony case. But in federal charges, it doesn't work that way. And uh, people are going to be surprised, but October 6th is going to probably come and go, and he still won't be sentenced. And the reason is sentencing someone for a federal crime is much more complicated than sentencing someone for a state crime like murder or drug dealing or, you know, robbery or whatever it may be. And the reason is, uh, when you have a federal case, you have three people that need to prepare a report to say this is what the sentence should be. You've got the prosecutor, you've got the defense attorney, and then a U.S. probation officer. And for her to, him or her to prepare the report, and it's usually a her, they have to meet with Blago, interview him, investigate his history, his background, look at his assets. And then the federal government has sentencing guidelines that uh, – need to be calculated and applied to this case, and people can uh, really disagree as to what he was convicted of and what the range for that should be. So because of that, you're going to find that there's lots of delays in these situations. Uh, it's very unusual for, 
for a sentencing to take place on the first sentencing date. It's not unusual at all for the attorneys to have a conflict, the judge to have a conflict. You know, they need witnesses because they actually take testimony at these sentencing and have someone that's not available. And the reality is no one's usually in a hurry to get these things done with the first time. The flip side of this is he's the most high-profile convicted felon at the federal court that's existed in years, Mm -hmm. more so than the mob guys. Uh, And as a result, the judge may feel pressure to get this thing going. But I've really looked at this judge and admired him because he's been running the show and not taking crap from anyone and really dealing with it like any other case. And because of that, he may say, hey, look, this is just like any other case, and having a continuance is no big deal. And if someone at the Chicago Tribune has a problem with that, too bad, because that's just not how it works. And this is especially true when you've got a situation like this where you know, it's going to be a long jail sentence. You want to get it right. You don't want to rush it. Yeah, so I don't expect him to get sentenced on October 6th, but we'll see what happens. No, I mean, it's just, <laughs> so again, like it's again with a federal, you, you made the point of federal versus state, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Cause that's, um, state, it seems state sentencing. It's like, boom, and you're gone, you know? Yeah. Cause it's, it's up to the judge, you know, and the prosecutor can recommend something and the defense can argue for something. But the reality is, you know, the judge is going to be there. And in this situation, you know, Blagojevich is going to, easy for me to say, is going to have a chance to speak. He's going to be able to put on witnesses. He, you know, the judge is going to review character letters, and you've you got to bet your bottom dollar. There's going to be all these people that he's helped in his career. They're going to write letters and say what a great guy he is. Uh, the judge has to look into all those things. Now, he may not care about those things, but it takes time, and it, you know, it's certainly a matter of, uh, you know, his rights to have this stuff looked at. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's, we'll that's what we want to give everybody their constitutional right to a fair trial. If we don't do that, we have much bigger problems on our hands. We're going to pause for a quick break, and I'm going to tell you about an upcoming CLE seminar from the uh, ABA uh, Practice Management section. It is titled Drafting and Implementing Ethical Law Firm Technology Policies. Uh, this is my baby. I drafted this thing, and I'm the moderator, so I hope everybody attends. Um, our guest moderators, we have Michael Downey, who is a partner from Armstrong and Teasdale in St. Louis, Marcus Harris from Marcus Stephen Harris LLC in Chicago, and Brent Kidwell from Jenner & Block is uh, Jenner's chief knowledge officer. And these, uh, basically, I'll just read the real little short blip here. Um, Learn what you'll do is you'll learn what's needed to draft and maintain up-to-date ethical law office technology policies for your firm. This pragmatic program identifies the latest legal and ethical standards of compliance and provides tested solutions to control your firm's liability exposure and keep your law firm technology practices on track. Get specific suggestions and practical steps for creating and maintaining technology policies that meet today's risk management standard and lawyers' ethical obligations. Now, there's more information about this, and you can get some more information by emailing teammcle, that's T-E-A-M-M-C-L-E, at ali-aba.org. Again, that's teammcle at ali-aba.org. Again, the title is Draft and implementing ethical law firm technology policies. Now, back to our uh, talk with Michael Helfland. Uh, we're talking about s- several of the Chicago's Real Law blog uh, articles here. The next one is, question, too black to be number one, Michael? 
what is this? Yeah, you know, this is it always amazes me what gets publicity in this country and what doesn't. And this is something I read about a couple of weeks ago and I didn't hear anyone talking about it, so I thought I would write about it. Uh, this girl in Arkansas, the worst thing is she has a pretty awful name. It's Kimberly Wimberly. Uh, oh, no. It's a brilliant, brilliant young woman. She was a valedictorian of her class in Arkansas, and a couple things against her. One, she's black. Number two, apparently she was pregnant. Uh, and number three, she's in Arkansas. And oh, wow. I guess down there, they don't want to have an African-American valedictorian. So what they did is they said, well, we're going to have co-valedictorians this year. And oh, God. A white student that had a lower grade point average than her to be the co-valedictorian you know, at the graduation. And listen, you know, in the big scheme of things, you know, this isn't going to affect her life. But the reality is, it's insulting, and you know, it appears to be racially motivated, you know, behavior. And as a result, she sued and alleged for discrimination, saying that you know, African American students at the school are, you know, discriminated against, treated inferior than the white classmates. Uh, she gave an example that you know some African American students were told that you know AP and honors classes uh, were too hard and they were encouraged to take you know quote unquote easier classes and didn't like it. So good for her. She stood up for herself. Uh, she's filed a suit and you know she's not going to be able to right the wrong because it's not like you can go back and redo graduation. Uh, and I don't know if she's entitled to that much in terms of money damages, but it's people like this that you know stand up that help people in the future. And the next school down in Arkansas or Alabama or Mississippi or, you know, anywhere else that's 100 years behind civilization that, you know, is thinking about <laughs> doing something like this, you know, hopefully they'll stop because they don't want to get sued. And that's unfortunately the way in this country this stuff happens and this is how this nonsense stops. <laughs> I love the South. <laughs> you know, and the South is different depending on where you are. You know, I don't want to, you know, there are plenty of people. I've got Facebook friends from Louisiana and all sorts of different places, and they're good people. But there just are some of the you know things that go on in the schools and just things that people seem to tolerate and put up with um, just sort of shock me. And uh, I guess that's the difference between being in the North and being in the South, right? Absolutely. You know, and Chicago's got their problems, you know, without a doubt. But the one thing you can say is that would never ever happen at a Chicago area school. It might happen at a downstate school in Illinois. Decatur? But it would never, ever happen at a Chicago or suburban Chicago school. Cause the pitchforks again, just, you know? Yeah, I mean, people are just... Again, this is stereotyping, but I think sometimes this stereotype is true. I mean, there's just some places in the South, and there's certainly some places in BFE, Illinois, where people in the city are just a little bit more evolved and how they approach people and view people and treat people. And oh. I, I can't even believe that in 2011 this could happen, but it certainly appears to have happened. It, I will talk about being more evolved, and it's, you know, it, it's something that I never get. You know, coming from Woodridge, like, I, I had my, I had every preconceived notion about the city. Everyone else, you know, fed me for years. And um, I don't know. I've lived here for several years now. I've lived on the north side. And people do seem to work out well together. You know, we talked about the Dibs parking back in the you know, and um, it's it it works. The Chicago's nickname is the city that works, and uh, it does. You know, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know what? And it's not that there's not racist people here, because of course there are. Well, but again, no, in our fair city. 
you you would never. I mean, there's a difference to me. And again, I'm not saying hidden racism is a good thing because, of course, it's not. But just open and obvious racism is ten times worse. And it's just like basically, I am so racist. I don't even care what people think. I'm just going to throw this out there and do this. You know, it's just pathetic. And it certainly seems to happen a heck of a lot more in the southern part of the United States. You know, you don't hear about you know African American men getting hogtied and dragged to their death in a pickup truck in Chicago. No. Do you hear about that in places like Texas? And that's just a fact. There there was a show, I was watching a thing on 60 Minutes about um, Top Gear, and the guys from Top Gear drove through southern Alabama, and they had a contest, and they drove like, you know, like, I'm I'm a bisexual on the side of the one of the guys' car, and like country music sucks on another car, and it literally had like the boys in the pickup truck showed up and were going after these guys from you know these three the three Top Gear guys. It's so funny. Oh my! Because they're so Christian. It's because they're so Christian. Exactly. Exactly. They have all their hearts are in the right place. Their hearts are right. Let's talk about our next one. Guest blog and justice for all. Um, yeah, I mean, really quickly, if you or anyone who's listening ever wants to write a blog posting on my my blog on the Tribune, uh, I'm happy to let it happen. So the uh, Legal Aid Bureau for City of Chicago uh, took us up on it, and basically they just celebrated uh, their 125-year anniversary of providing uh, low-income families and victims of domestic violence, immigrants, the elderly, elderly with legal services regardless of their ability to pay. And so I think it's a great or- organization. Finding pro bono legal help is next to impossible, mm-hmm. and most of these organizations are losing their funding. So I was happy to let them talk about their program and what they do and how they help people. Cool. Um, it's That's a good thing. Um the next one is I'm surprised he's not gay. Number one hypocrite, Joe Walsh. I don't. This guy sounds familiar. What is? What's all this about? He's the congressman in the northern suburbs who um, unseated Melissa Bean, and he's a big oh, yeah. party rah-rah type guy. And his whole thing is he's become actually pretty successful uh, because of his rants against President Obama on the deficit and basically holier than holy on statements about fiscal responsibility. And the reason I said I'm surprised he's not gay is because usually you see these politicians ranting like about gay marriage and we discover uh, that, you know, they're tapping their shoes in the bathroom like a senator from Idaho. <laughs> did. Pray the gay away with you know, Michelle Bachman's husband. Pray the gay it, away. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it's always do as I say, not as I do. Well, this guy's apparently the same situation as he was sued because he owes more than $100,000 and back child support payments to his ex-wife, and it's been going on for a while, and, you know, it's over three kids. Um, And, again, to me, it's just hypocritical when a congressman is preaching, pay your bills, pay your bills, but I'm not going to pay my bills. And, you know, he also got foreclosed upon before he ended up in office, which, again, not paying his bills. And and in this case, his wife's attorney, ex-wife's attorney, asked the court to have his license suspended uh, as well as lose his passport, and those things should happen Unfortunately, it kind of highlights a bigger problem in Illinois is that child support enforcement is very loosely enforced, uh, and you know people get away with it, and especially a guy in in this position. Now, I'm guessing because we haven't heard much about it since the article came out that 
uh, he's probably got a donor that's going to make this embarrassment go away and you know not let it follow him to the next campaign because he's actually as far as if you're a favor of the tea party he's doing great for what they want to do and is probably a reelectable guy uh but you know this is the type of thing that would crush him in an election and hopefully will Mm-hmm. Well, um, we have a few minutes left. Let's round out with, again, at Find Great Lawyers. You get all sorts of calls every day, lots of calls, and are matching people up with the best lawyers to suit them statewide here in Illinois. Um, your final, Our final piece for today is the top five reasons that no attorney will take your case. Yeah, you know, there's about 60,000 or so lawyers in the state of Illinois that are physically in Illinois and uh, actively practicing law, of those 60,000, probably 20,000 or so work for the government or corporation or something like that where they can't take your case. But that still leaves us with around 40,000 lawyers or so, most of which are in Cook County. And, you know, I'll get calls all the time from people. And it's, I can't find anyone to take my case, and I don't understand why. And the number one reason is certainly you just don't have the money for it. And sad but true, and people say to me, well, what about justice? What about the safety of my child if it's a custody case, you know, really try to play in the heartstrings, so to speak. The honest answer is lawyers are business people, and while they want to help people, they're more concerned about getting paid themselves, keeping the lights on. And You're just not going to find a free lawyer for almost every situation, which is why, you know, allowed the Legal Assistance Foundation to post, put their post, because they can help some people. But the reality is, in most situations, you're either not going to find someone, there's a huge waiting list for a free lawyer, or the people you get just aren't very good. Um, the second reason, you know, lawyers will take over from other lawyers, but when you're looking to someone to be the fourth, the fifth, the sixth lawyer, a good lawyer is going to say, you know what, this sounds like a red flag to me. It looks like a problem client here. Uh, you know, we'll find situations where people call us and say, you know, I had this attorney and he didn't do this, that, and the other, and I've reported him to the Attorney Registration and Disciplinary Commission. Um, mm. That is absolutely their right, and if someone's really doing something unethical, that should happen. But if it's a situation where, hey, I told my lawyer to ask this question and he didn't, or you know, he told me he'd call me back by 5 o'clock and he didn't call me back till the next day, and now you're reporting to the ARDC, most lawyers are going to say, you know what, I don't want to deal with that type of a hassle. And there's an old saying that, you know, 20% or like 20% of your clients cause 80% of your problems. Mm-hmm. You know, people are trying to avoid that 20%. People don't want the problem client, the ones that are going to be a pain in the butt. Um, my favorite reason, especially with, you know, the advent of websites and people contacting lawyers through the Internet, if you type in all caps when you contact someone, <laughs> this makes you sound like a crazy person, even if you're not crazy. But it's hard, aside from being hard to read, it just makes you look like a buffoon, and it puts in the back of the mind of the attorney, what's wrong with this person? Uh, my favorite one, because a joke that's held true, and it actually came up the other day. I always get emails from people that will tell me, I have a great case. I just know it. And in ten and a half years of running this business, I've never had someone call me that says they have a great case, actually have a great case. And if a lawyer doesn't think you're gonna, they're going to win your case, especially if it's like a personal injury or medical malpractice where they only get paid if they win, they're not going to take it on. And You know, I get people... Well, it must be that the insurance companies have bought all the lawyers off, or they're afraid to take on this corporation, or that, and they don't want to believe me when I tell them that. Of course, it's not true. Lawyers love money. If they thought they could win your case and you had a great case, they would take it on. Exactly. Uh, we're running. 
There, yeah, if there's no money, there's no case. We're running out of time. I'm so sorry. We're uh, going longer, and I see we had a caller waiting. Caller, you want to say hello? Hello? Go ahead. How are you? How you doing? Good. We have about one minute left before we close, so I want to say thank you to Michael and say thank you to our listeners and our sponsors today. Uh, caller, 60 minutes before the switchboard cuts it off. You want to say hello, or you have a comment? I, I, well, I have a question. You know, it was I was looking at... Let me get to the one. It says, uh, he just suggested, you know, why, why no longer, no, no attorney won't take my case. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I used to, uh, work for, um, the post office. Okay. I'm a veteran with a disability. I was fired because of that disability. And what they said was they, they told me that, hey, I failed to maintain a regular attendance, but I was going to the doctor, showed the, doc, the documentation. And, um, you know what? Uh, let me let me let me pause right there. Findgreatlawyers.com is the website. Michael, what's your contact information for people who want to get a hold of you? Know, the best thing to do is just go to that website and click on the contact us page on the left side of the uh, website and put in your information and we'll try to help you from there. All right. We are out of time. Thank you again for everyone for tuning in. We'll talk to Michael again next time. Again, this is Nick Augustine for proservepr.com. Thank you. Talk to you soon. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.